0: Today we continue the thought on regrets in retrospect. Last week we noticed Paul and his testimony and how he shed often in the book of Acts and Corinthians and Galatians, I think, that he had some regrets. It was on his mind, you could tell, because he wrote it down as a testimony. I was reading this morning earlier about, <clears throat> about that, an article on Paul from a Christian magazine that I get, and uh, saying the same thing, so I thought that was encouraging to see that he was looking more at the positive side of it and how from when he got saved things totally changed he went the other direction he was going that way and he went that way and what a firebrand he was for the Lord we started looking back so we're looking back this morning we've looked at two points decisions I've made who would like to change some of the decisions you've made in the past Maybe I should ask because anyone wouldn't. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> we would be proud if we said that. That's so. Desires we have fulfilled, that I have fulfilled. Not always godly, but we have fulfilled them. And if we fulfill the desires that are godly, praise the Lord. And we'll be able to hear the Lord say, Well done, now good and faithful servant. This morning we pick up on digressions I've taken or traver- traversed. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word and how it guides us in the pathway of life. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, and I pray that each one of us would be able to say that, that through life, throughout life, we've been able to refer back to your holy word, the guidebook for Christian living, for anybody's living, Lord. Thank you that you've given us your word. And that we don't have to walk in the dark and we know where we're going. We know where we end and where we begin eternity. Thank you for these things. Lord, we pray and bring before you those that aren't well, that have come down with sickness, that you would strengthen each one of them and hold them up before you, but that they may be encouraged, Lord. It's in times of sickness, we, come, we can become despondent, Lord, but I pray that they might see that there is a wonderful future those that aren't well, for every Christian and child of God, whether the sickness be temporal or terminal, Lord, minister to each one. Pray for our missionaries today too, Lord, you protect them and guide them in the foreign countries to which they've gone. Use them mightily, and Lord, undergird them, and may those that they minister to respond by believing on the Lord Jesus and grow in his grace. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Bless it now to our hearts and challenge our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Digressions I've taken. <clears throat> you might say, I've taken the wrong turn in life. Praise the Lord. I was in Melbourne this week. I didn't take any wrong turns to about three different places. The whole place looks different. The skyscrapers with once there was just houses, because <clears throat> I've been in places for a long time. And... Um, where's the Box Hill Hospital <laughs> and on uh, Whitehorse Road there was just houses and little shops and supermarkets and now the skyscrapers and I thought this must be the wrong turn you know I could have taken the wrong turn couldn't I <laughs> and gotten bushed <laughs> well cityed whatever you say <laughs> in the, all the skyscrapers but praise the Lord it didn't happen he, he helped my navigational instant decisions well I had help from no, I didn't. Help, help from what's the name, <laughs> Siri or whatever. <laughs> I just turned it off, and I thought I'll do it <laughs> the old way, <laughs> GPS mine. But how many of us in life have done that, taken a wrong turn? We haven't got the gospel turned on, <laughs> the scripture in our hearts, and my what a tragedy can happen from that the regressions I've taken from the scripture it tells us in 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for those four things doctrine, reproof, correction and instruction in righteousness there's your GPS <laughs> is that what it was? The, yeah, the street thing is the scriptures for those four areas doctrine, reproof correction and instruction in righteousness. What better have we to guide us through life into eternity than on, on the straight and narrow road? 1 Timothy chapter four, or chapter 1, verse 18 says this, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, said Paul, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare holding faith, and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made what? Shipwreck. We take the wrong turn, as many have, we can make a shipwreck of our life. We can come back to the Lord, but there are things, there are consequences that have happened when we're away from the Lord that will be with us for life. We can be forgiven, but there are consequences to sinning to deviating away from the word of God from the scriptures I just checked out that around Australia there are 8,000 shipwrecks I didn't know that there was that that many a quarter of them have been found and 21 of them are famous shipwrecks if you go along some every coast seems to be a shipwreck coast (laughs) you go to Western Australia the shipwrecks over there you go down to the Great Ocean Road, the shipwrecked coast, they call it. And how many lives have been lost? Isn't the same in the Christian circles? We haven't taken heed to the word of God. So the psalmist said in Psalm 119, he divided the word up and he extolled the word of God. Let's take heed to the word of God. Let's listen to the word of God. Scripture don't digress from the word of God no matter who tries to persuade you what temptation there is to go away from the word stick to the book it's God's word he knows better father knows best doesn't he father knows best we sometimes digress from the standards do we see that today you walk down the street and say the dress standards have changed in the last few years the last 40 years Oh, what does the Bible say? Modest dress. It tells us in Timothy, from the standards of dress, from the standards of fellowship. It says in Ephesians 5, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. We can take the wrong turn in our standards of dress, our standards of fellowship, our standards of Association: Who we associate with, people rub off on you, don't they? <laughs> what they believe, what they think, and how they behave can rub on on us if they're not Christians, and we've got the majority of our friends are non-Christians. I'm not saying not have non-Christian friends. They need to hear the Lord, but you need to be able to st- to hold the stand. And it says in Corinthians, Second Corinthians six: Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What righteousness, or what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath Christ or light with darkness and Christ with Belial? What heart part hath he that believeth with an infidel well, We're different. We're the children of God. We're on our way to heaven. Let's keep the standards straight and true and God-honoring. And as I've said before, and somebody quoted me the other day, said, you said, actually it was my brother-in-law Joe, he said, you said, once when he was listening that the church is often just 10 steps behind the world if we look at the church and their behaviour, their context and all the things that we're talking about um, now, well that's what the world used to be like 10 years ago and it shouldn't be so it shouldn't be so what about our music this is part of the falling away in apostasy of the world and the church Think of the music when you were younger. Now, if you are an older person, you can remember <laughs> when there was no none of the music that we have today. Who can remember that? This gives you away a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> Your age, I mean. <laughs> Before the Beatles come out. You remember them? The noise and racket they make. But you listen to them. Now their music can say, well, that's pretty conservative. That's old-fashioned. No, that was wild in the day. Even the world said it was wrong to have this sort of music. All the churches said it was wrong to have that sort of music. But now, what's the situation? The churches got it in for their music to sing to, and it's very hard to sing to. You have to have it performed. You can't hardly sing it, and you can't understand it. All you can hear is a, a racket. And we need to not fall away in that apostasy. There's much material. If you want a whole series of articles on that, we'll give it to you. Uh, <clears throat> digressions from sound advice. Like Rehoboam. Remember Rehoboam? There's Jeroboam and Rehoboam that took ho- over the leadership of Israel after Solomon the king died. Rehoboam? reh he's down the bottom. And there's Jeroboam. And Rehoboam <coughs> listened to the youth in taking counsel, didn't he? He, he? he asked the old old men, what should I do? Should I ease the tax, ease the, the the burden on the people? They said yes. Otherwise, you're going to use lose the people. He went and asked the young men, no, up the taxes. That sounds familiar. And <laughs> our government said, up the taxes, charge the people... Get, you know, redistribute, redistribute the, um, <clears throat> the wealth of the nation. And so he did. From the, <clears throat> from the sound advice that we can have, listen, young people, older people, listen to sound advice. Listen to those that are godly, that have had a, a track record of walking for the, for the Lord and with the Lord. Listen to the Spirit's direction. In Ephesians 5:16 and 17, it says, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Hear the Spirit speak. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be filled with regret as you grow older because you've taken a digression and from separation, which we've already covered. Regrets in retrospect. <clears throat> Digressions are taken. Disobedience is committed. Disobedience committed. You think primary, primarily of young people when you, when you read Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Children, they're all over there, <laughs> obey your parents. Why do we have a lot of the crimes committed? Why do we have the robberies happening? The brutal robberies now, bashing up a people. They don't care if they kill an old person now, just to get a purse. Why do we have it? Because disobedience to parents is happening. It it almost be that when the judge comes down with the judgment on this person, they should throw in the parent with them. Because you haven't been teaching and training them in the way of the Lord, therefore they're doing this in society. This is a digression that we'll regret one day if we've been disobedient to our parents. You read Deuteronomy 21 where there it talks about when a child was disobedient in the Old Testament, in the Jewish system, the parents were to bring that child to the judges and the, and the people were to stone the individual. You say you've got it tough if you discipline a child now. Well, back then, that's how tough the discipline was. Read through the book of Proverbs. A child left to himself will bring his mother and father to shame. Discipline the children while they're young. But they are, there's disobedience to guidance. And how many people today are suffering and regretting the decisions they made to go against the fa- their father's and mother's advice? There's disobedience to the preaching of truth. In first, Second Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 and 3 we read, I charge Thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. When you feel like it, and don't feel like it. When the people are ready for it or not, preach the word. Reprove, rebuke. It sounds like that one we looked at in Second Timothy three sixteen, doesn't it? <laughs> Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Doctrines boring, says the liberal church. Doctrine is what keeps people going straight, says the conservative church. For the time will come when they will not endure a sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. I wonder if the Paul was, or the Lord, through Paul was directing us down to our day. <laughs> itching ears, we want to hear only what we believe with our humanist understanding. We don't want to hear the Bible. We don't want to hear what God says. Disobedience is committed to the preaching of the truth. We don't want man's opinions. We want, as Christians, God's opinions so that we don't live with regret, making the wrong decisions. Preach the truth. In Colossians 1.28, it says, Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Sanctified saints. For this I also labour, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Preach, warning, teaching, encouraging, warning the saints not to go in the broad broad road that leads to destruction. The promptings of the Spirit we mentioned a bit earlier, but in Romans chapter 8... And verse 10, it says, If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. If any man have not the Spirit, he is none of God's. And having the Spirit of God, why have we the Spirit of God? As we read the Word of God, He directs us through the Word of God. Listen to the promptings of the Spirit of the Lord. In verse 14 of Romans 8, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I know with as many people as are here today, we could, well, we could probably all say, I'm going to say some people, but. We've all heard the promptings of God's spirit at times. Not our thoughts, but God's thoughts in his word where the spirit has come and bricked our conscience, prompted us in an area where we're going to go astray and we'll regret it, but we go astray anyway. We go against the spirit of God and his promptings to us. We will live with regret if we do that. You know, he doesn't come with a sledgehammer. He comes with a still small voice, (laughs) Sometimes when we go astray and we're off on our own way and he said no and we do he comes with a sledgehammer <laughs> and instances happen in our lives that really wake us up and we say I shouldn't be here and we begin to regret denials of practiced against the authority of the Lord three institutions God has ordained the government I must, well, put it in order. The family, the government, and the church. That we are to follow and obey. And the family, spoken about Ephesians 5, the government, 1 Peter 2, and uh, Old Testament as well, and the church, Hebrews 13. But we think of denying, denying the authority of our parents. We've covered that already. And in Proverbs 30 there, it's, it uses this phrase, there is a generation. And it uses it about six times. There is a generation. There is, And they've gone astray. <laughs> the denial of the parents' authority. And are they not even teaching that in our school now? <laughs> Don't tell mum and dad. I can tell you what you should do, how you should behave, and what you should think. Because I'm educated, says the teacher, and I know better than mum and dad. It's a terrible day we live in and if your children are in, in any secular state school and maybe even huh, Christian schools, they are teaching this, to deny their parents' authority and they will live with regret. This world will live with regret. This, the Western world is on the wane, is it not? Every nation, every empire that has gone into the sexual sins and legalised them, has come to naught. God sees to it. It might take decades, it might take a century, but it'll come to nothing. Because God will see to it. He will not allow that to continue. <clears throat> yes, we, we'll move on. <laughs> Denials of practice. Denying our marriage partner. Wives, obey your husbands. Husbands, husbands love your wives it's a command of the Lord Ephesians 5 22 to 24 denial of the politicians <laughs> you almost thought well maybe sure. we look at our politicians today around our country and we just say what are they doing around the world then in First Peter chapter 2 1 Peter chapter 2 Listen to what it says in verse 13. It reads, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the King as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him, by God, for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. That is waning as far as the political system in our country is concerned. But we are to obey. Unless they command us to directly disobey the word of God. As the apostles said, we're going to please God rather than men. And don't preach, we're going to preach. We've been commissioned by a higher authority to preach the word of God, have we not? All these will bring regrets. And some people are probably in jail for doing things in the last few years that they regret they've done. But employer, Ephesians 6, 5 and 6, it deals with that. Of the pulpit's teaching in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. We'll stay here for a little bit. (laughs) And verse 7. Remember them who have the rule over you, that's governance, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. Over in verse 17 of Hebrews 13, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. That's that's going to be tough on the day that pastors stand at the beamer seat. As we read that verse... Because there are many people that have not obeyed the word of God, that have gone astray. And I've written down, they've caused disputes, divisions, discord, dissimulations, as the Bible talks of, diversions, parachurch, and they've disobeyed and they've gone their own way. We don't, we don't listen to the pastor. Or oh, the pastor's the last one to ask for counsel and advice. The world has taken instead their counsel and advice. And folks, it says in this verse, they submit And submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, and that is on Judgment Day, that they may do it with joy. Sometimes the pastor is reluctant to do that, to, to speak now. But on that day, it'll come out. It's almost frightening to think of that—that that they didn't obey the word of the Lord. That they did this and they did that, and here's the other person standing there. Here's a the part of the flock that you've tried to instruct and you've taught the word of God, and then you have to say they didn't follow the the, the sound scriptural advice. And what a day of regret that will be for the individual. Yes, it'll be might be. It, it, It'll be compelling. You, you can't hide anything from God, can you? Every thought is recorded. And so on that day, every thought will come out. What is the Lord presently building? He's building his church, is he not? He said, blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. That's the last person to get saved in the church age. That's what his plan is. The church is his business in this dispensation, in this period of time. What did Jesus Christ do for the church? He died for the church. Don't let government, don't let family trump the church or override it. The church is all important to the Lord Jesus. He's forming it. He's making a bride out of it. He's making a building of it. He's making a body out of it. It In the book of Ephesians, it speaks of these things. Yet Christians do not respect the church. I jotted some thoughts down. Maybe I shouldn't put them out out here. Well, I think we should. It's the most important thing. And as I thought through this, does the scripture back up other than what is said in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7 and 17 that God speaks and honours the church and holds it up? <clears throat> in Matthew nineteen twenty-nine, it speaks of leaving father or mother, forsaking them if they don't believe for God's work. What's God's work? The church. See, family didn't trump the church in that verse. The individual who was saved in an unsaved family takes a stand for God and labours for the Lord through the local church. It's not the universal church. It's not the Catholic church. It's the local church that's represented through the New Testament. In some families, one will be saved and another lost. So what's more important, to stick with your unsaved family? No. You see, in Christ, you have a new family, the church. It's important. We should defend it. We should suspend it. We should support it, the local church. You know, <clears throat> Some people treat the local church like their disposable income disposable income is what you've got left after you've paid all the bills i'll use it if i've got it some people a disposable church well i'll go when i can afford the time to go now if sickness brother i'm not speaking to you (laughs) if sickness comes we understand that completely you know those that are back with us but if it's the family or the church, it's the church you should choose. I haven't, got, I haven't got enough time and there's no disposable time left. So everything crowds out the church and attending the fellowship and being with the people of God and encouraging one another and uplifting one another. That's what church is about. It should be. Yes, we'll live with, we'll, we'll live with regret if we don't honour what God honours. And it is the local church. Now that's looking looking back, looking biblically for a moment. Examples that are written for our learning according to Romans 15 and verse 4. Think of Lot. This is in regard to regret in retrospect. He gave up a separated life with Abraham as a pilgrim wandering around in the desert. <laughs> and where... where they separated, and we drove through down from Beersheba toward the Dead Sea. You'd say, "Yep, I would leave there too." <laughs> you can see for miles up into the Judean Hills, flat plain, desert, desert, dirt, and it'd be very dusty if it was windy. That was in the in the dry part of their 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 year, but <clears throat> you'd say, and then then Locke looked over the edge, and he could see down into the well-watered plains of the Jordan River. That's where I'm going. <laughs> he separated from his uncle Abraham, who lived the pilgrim's life, and moved to the most sinful city in the world of the time. And in 2 Peter chapter 2, two, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, we read this, And delivered just Lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day unto day with their unlawful deeds. Now if people say Sodom wasn't a sinful city, (laughs) read what God says about it. Read back in Genesis and read the many, many examples that it's used in the Old and New Testament about this sinful city. You think of Lot. He was vexing his righteous soul. It just boggles the mind. He must have been having devotions. He must have been thinking about the God of Abraham, his uncle, because he was righteous. But you think of him in his old age. What would have he liked to have changed? That decision that he made when he separated from... "You You go that way and I'll go that way, says Abraham... And if he had separated, gone back toward Gaza or some other place, up into the Judean hills, but not down to Sodom, that had a reputation. And he would change that if he could. But he lived with regret. His daughters committed incest with him, Genesis 19:31. And from that incestuous relationship came two nations called the Moabites and the Abanites, and there were a pain, a thorn to Israel throughout Israel's existence. He was an exceedingly rich man when he left because his flocks were so many and Abraham's flocks were so many that land couldn't bear them. He went down. What did Lot come out with? His wife, that turned around and pillar of salt and two daughters. Probably not even any utensils no knives or whatever they had in that day to to do the work in the cave he ended up a caveman I say it often he ended up, yeah there were cavemen Lot was one of them in a cave with his daughters how regretful that was think biblically if you make the wrong decision there are consequences in this life and into eternity but praise God we can repent and change can't we Solomon And I've got all these marked, but we haven't time to turn. But Solomon. What book of the Bible speaks of God giving Solomon wisdom? What is? Where does he explain that? All in the book of Proverbs. You have the wisdom of Solomon. And uh, <clears throat> wise to read it and understand it. Read it one chapter a day. He gets you through it in a month. But what... The book of the Bible speaks of Solomon's sad regrets. The next book after Solomon, after Proverbs, is Ecclesiastics, isn't it? And chapter 1, verse 2, it says right at the start, Vanity of vanity," saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you focus on this world and this life and this mortal body only, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Chapter, chapter um, 1 and verse 14, it reads, And <clears throat> I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. <clears throat> The buildings that were put up 40 years ago or less are being pulled down and put up again. <laughs> all is vanity. All the workmanship that went into that is being pulled down. This, Things don't last. Things go rusty. <laughs> things wear out. All is vanity and vexation of spirit. Chapter 2 and verse 11 of Ecclesiastics reads, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labour that I had laboured to do and behold all was vanity and vexation of spirit and there was none profit under the sun there was no profit under the sun ah. <laughs> on my way down to buy a church lawnmower, I had to go down a different part of Melbourne packing them away coming back I thought I'd take a little detour at about four kilometres long around the areas that I worked at ah, yeah that paddock I remember being down that gully. Yeah, I did that one and that house site and it's just the memories then I think and what now <laughs> what have they become who owns them now are they using them for the purpose? You think vanity and vexation of spirit. They had a means to provide for our needs. There's witty inventions, there's labour he talks about, there's pleasures, there's laughter the, and myrrh. And with them all, he says, vanity and vexation of spirit. Young people, listen to what God is saying through this man that learnt by hard experience. He had everything at his disposal. It, it's it's probably estimated if you, if you take David who gave all Solomon the riches to build with, David might have been the richest man, well, the kingdom of Israel, that ever was on planet Earth. You say, oh, bet there's billionaires. And you add up the goods that he had and the money, the gold and the silver and the brass. He could pave the streets with brass in his day. That's way back then. But when Solomon got it, and he's the son that inherited it all, he had wisdom, but then he went off the trail. What did he do? He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And they drew his heart away from the Lord to serve other gods. And uh, he. it says that he done wickedly. How could a wise man turn to be like that? Uh, hey, even in our old age, we can go off track. And we'll live to regret it. Don't, don't go there. <laughs> Stick it out to the end. <clears throat> Esau. Well, a man that lived with regret. And this is our Bible reading from last week. We didn't get near to it. In the book of... Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, this is what it says, as we read last week, chapter 12, verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know that how afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it with tears. He's a person that couldn't turn back. Though he sought it with tears, he couldn't change what had happened. Don't go there. Don't even think of doing what he did. What he he sold his birthright because he was hungry. One day he come home. I've been. I'm worn out. I want. Give me a feed. And an old Jacob cunning, cunning. He he said, "Well, sell me your birthright, and I'll give you some. Give you a meal." And he did. For one morsel, he sold his birthright. Then Jacob stole not only the birthright, but he stole the blessing in Genesis 27-34. And so the blessing fell on Jacob and not on Esau. And the result in Hebrews 12, just before it speaks of Esau, it speaks in verse 15 of bitterness. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, And by it many be defiled. The result in his old age and to death was bitterness. And it's hard to live with a bitter person. They find fault in everything and everyone and they're the only ones right. And you could talk to Esau if he was alive and he was full of bitterness. And it's going to drag you down. Don't get there. If you're young... And haven't done it, don't do it. Stay in the way of the Lord. for, And we got to our reading. Praise the Lord. I didn't think we were going to get there. In Psalm Psalm 73, where we had a reading. Bernie read that for us, so we won't read it again. But how many, when Bernie was reading that, or when you've read it privately, said, yep, yeah, I feel like that. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> You look around at the world and all the things of it. How much debt is America in? I think they've gone to 31000000000000 trillion, isn't it? $31 trillion. You can't even imagine it. <laughs> I mean, a billion is hard to imagine, but trillion. And Australia's going down to... You, you add up... You we'll know, divide how, what we're in debt with the number of people and do it in America, and we're not far behind... And the world is sinking in debt. And Asper was looking around at the supposed prosperity of the wicked. <clears throat> How come they've got a new Mercedes Benz? No one's got one here, have they? Oh, yes, that brother over here. <laughs> Bet you, you gave it away, didn't you? <laughs> or loaned it or whatever. <laughs> what, what other? Porsche. No one's got a Porsche. <laughs> And you look at them and say, I, 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 don't, I, I can drive around in a Toronto and not many people would, would hop in the passenger seat. <laughs> but people look at you and they look at you now and say, yeah, he's got money. <laughs> no, I didn't have money when I bought that. It only cost $3,000. It's worth a lot more. But what is a flash car? Does it make your reputation? Does it make, look well, you're important. But to me, it, it doesn't make me... I think they're important. Notice when I was driving around in Melbourne, the guys that cut you off are in flash cars. <laughs> As a country boy, you leave a bit of distance between you and the other fellow and it just keeps on filling up and you go back down the road. But hey, so be it. an Assel was looking around and seeing these things. And he said, hmm, my feet almost slipped. I almost went that way. <laughs> but then... <laughs> When he went to where? where He went to church. (laughs) And he heard the message. Don't go that way. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. They can have the world, but they'll lose the world to come. No, don't go that way. Don't be living with eternal regret because you looked and was envious of the world. A lot of stuff, a lot of things. Whatever it be that <clears throat> your heart, your heart might envy that which my heart doesn't. <laughs> but whatever it is, go to the sanctuary of God and hear the word of the Lord, surely thou didst set them in slippery places and cast castest them down into destruction, into de- internal destruction. How are they brought to desolation in a moment? I don't want to be disrespectful, but that sub that went down and imploded there. Yeah, you, you pay for a ticket on that ride, $250,000. That's what I read. I it it's American. Oh, OK. OK. Yeah. Up to Ma. <coughs> for one ride down to the Titanic, four kilometres below the top. You go down 100 metres and it's dark already. Imagine what it's like down there. But, hey, they're gone now. They're in eternity. What of their money? What of their possessions? Suddenly, suddenly, it says, <clears throat> they were consumed. They were brought to desolation in a moment. And apparently the son of the billionaire that was on there didn't want to go. He showed regret. He said, no, no, he... And other people are now coming forward. Yeah, when we went down, it was creaking and groaning. And Oh, man, life, I would have hopped out then. I mean, <laughs> but because you know it's being crushed. Don't know how those fish live down there, but uh, the <clears throat> this thing. And in a moment, they're gone, utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream, when one awaketh, so, O oh Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus, my heart was grieved, said Aspha. And I was pricked in my reins. How can you emphasize it anymore? Don't live with regret when you get older and into eternity. Be pricked now and let your heart be grieved. You even thought that that would bring me happiness. So foolish was I and ignorant, I was like a beast, like an animal. I was thinking like an animal. (laughs) Before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast held me by thy right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward, like this, receive me to glory. That'll be glory one day, won't it? As for David, our time's up. Where would you go to see? In the scriptures, the regret that David had really is a psalm of repentance. Psalm 51. Christians, Christians today, think about eternity. Make the judgments you make with eternity's values in view. And if there are things that you regret you've done in the past you can come as Aspha to the Lord and say forgive me Lord and he will cleanse us and wash us from all unrighteousness and we can start anew and walk with him, we didn't get to the conclusion but I'm making making you think of the eternity think of it like Aspha when he's come to the house of the Lord <clears throat> and we will cover some of the others next time and then go into the third part, looking Beyond, looking back, as we've looked at, looking biblically at these examples, and then look beyond, look beyond. Like, like Jonathan and David made an agreement. When David shot the arrow, he yelled out, Be- "Look beyond or something," and David and he was able to find the arrow, and that was a warning with Jonathan. Hey, we've got a wonderful Savior that's delivered us from the wrath to come but we have to avail ourselves of that by our choice trust the lord jesus if you're not saved and be delivered from a Christless eternity and if you're a christian make the right decisions don't make foolish ones that you're going to live with regret for eternity for for this life and on judgment day let's pray thank you lord for the examples we find in your word thank you lord for the encouragement to walk a sanctified life, to walk a separated life, to walk a serving life. And Lord, let us learn from the mistakes of these men and women of the past, that we might not get to old age and say, I live with regret, I have a great burden on me. Help the young people to make the correct and right decisions in this life that they might be able to walk out into eternity like Enoch did. He walked with God and was not, for God took him. Lord, bless those who have repented and turned back to you from a life that was wasted and in a far country. Use them in their old age as you can, as you did, David. We pray and ask, Lord, your guidance and blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.